Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now on with the show. Today's guest is Jasmine Roth. Jasmine is a designer, builder, and host of HGTV's hit shows, Hidden Potential, and Help, I Wrecked My House. She's also author of a new book, House Story, Insider Secrets to the Perfect Home Renovation. Jasmine has an incredible knack for making homes personal, functional, and beautiful. And we're so excited to have her here to share some of her many home tips. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you. I want to wave, but I know you can't see me, so that's silly. (laughs) She did wave. I confirm. I did. I waved. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And um, this is my first podcast of 2022. So I'm excited to chat. I have so many things I want to talk about. Oh my gosh. Well, we're so excited to have you here. I mean, we love following you on HDTV and your blog and, you know, there's numerous YouTube videos and now this book. And it's so full of information about materials and tips for anyone at any level of expertise or lack of expertise. So, Tell us, how did you get started and how much, how did you get to know so much about everything? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I think, so both of you, if I'm not wrong, are in the middle of some sort of home renovation project right now or build project, right? 100%. Yes. Always. We're both very deep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's honestly how I got started. So uh, my husband and I, we were looking for a place to hang our hats. Basically, we've been renting for uh, many years together. And we finally had saved enough money with the help of his parents to buy a house. And so we were looking and looking, looking, we couldn't find anything. Um, And eventually, we ended up buying a piece of land to build our own house. And what we didn't realize was how much of an undertaking that was going to be like, we had a great builder, but the builder was only as good as the information that we gave him, which was Mm -hmm. our preferences and what materials we wanted to use and how we wanted the drawer hardware installed and how, what countertop detail we wanted on the edge and all these things that like, weren't even on our radar. We're like, we just want a house and we want to move in. (laughs) And it wasn't going well. It was bad. It was really bad because we were both working full plus time in corporate America. And there was just, this became our second job and it was all consuming. And so we got to the point where our project was stalled. We had no idea when we were going to be able to move in. And it was a big investment just sitting there. And so mm-hmm. I ended up actually leaving my job and taking a leap of faith and going onto the job site. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to figure this out. Like it was 2000. When was that? That was in 2012. And um, so there weren't, you know, the recession ha- was we we're kind of coming out of the recession a little bit, mm-hmm. but there still weren't, you know, there's so many trades that were hit really hard back then. And so there weren't a lot of designers that were still in business. There weren't a lot of people that were available to help homeowners who were trying to figure it out um, and work full time. So I ended up just going and doing this project and I loved it. I loved it so much. It caught me off guard. So I accidentally fell into the world of home design and building and then eventually finished that house, finished the house next door that we had bought as an investment, sold that for sale by owner. It was like the first new construction project to sell 
in years in our area. And it kind of set the bar and kind of woke everybody up. It was like, oh, hey, we can build again. Like this is happening. And so that's exactly what I started doing. I started building houses as a developer. Yeah, I, I, it's so funny. I literally was just on the phone this morning texting the same guys that I walked onto that job site that day and got to know and that became my mentors and taught me all the things that you know I now shared in my book House Story um, and I, that I share regularly on social media and on my show. It's the same people. It's all these folks that are in the trades that know so much. They don't know everything. I don't think anybody in construction knows everything, but they know a lot. <laughs> and so, and while my team has grown, I still go back to those same guys and it's literally just texting them before this. Like, Hey, I've got a new project. You want to do the plumbing? They're like, okay, what do we need? You know? And it's just so funny how like years later, we're still doing the same thing. Um, so when you ask how I learned things, I learned the same way that I think if either of you took on a construction project, how you would learn. And it's just by trial and error and trying to figure it out and asking a lot of questions and being coming at construction from like a place of humility where it's like, I don't know everything. Even now, I I don't know everything. And I know that I never will. Um, But just trying to figure it all out is hard. It's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm, again, your book was like, a hair later than I needed it, you know? Where oh, like, that's the worst. I, yeah, I needed this like three months, you know, because the honing in on my style and the, anyway, just the worksheets um, in it too are just fantastic. Pause, think, make sure everything's cohesive. Because yeah. I'm finding that to be like the hardest part too is like there's so many wonderful styles and things and beautiful images out there that you're like, how do I pick what's me? What works for my so family? overwhelming. Yeah right? And you think you know what you like, and you think you know your style. And then you go on vacation and you stay at some like super, you know, it's like Holly style. And you're like, wait, maybe this is my style. Yeah. You're like, maybe I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. You come home and you're like, wait, no, that doesn't make any sense. You know? So (laughs) uh, I've seen my clients go through this. I've seen them go through the, the process of trying to define their design style and trying to figure out you know, what their house story is. And then Mm -hmm. the challenge of sticking to that design style. The Mm -hmm. other thing that's really hard, and I think that my book has helped uh, a lot of folks with this, is it's not just your design style. It's whoever's building the house, you and your partner, you and your family, Mm -hmm. you and your mom, like whoever lives there with you um, and who's going to be a part of this house, you have to consider their preferences and you have to consider how they live and you have to consider... Um, you know, the reality of the fact that you might live with four teenagers or you might live with little babies or you might live, whatever it is, you have 12 cats, you know, like you have to keep that reality in mind when you're designing as well. And so I do feel like, you know, these worksheets that are in the book, it's exactly what I do with my clients. It is the exact process that I developed. I sit down and we have candid conversations Mm -hmm. about how they're living. We have, we talk about what they like and how we can make that work. Liz, you mentioned you live in a, in a 90 year old house, right? Yeah. So what, and Taryn, you're building a new house, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So what might work for, uh, you know, a new construction house might not even be applicable to Liz. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't. And while you might love new design, it's not, it, you, you're in a 90 year old house, whether you like it or not, you know what I mean? And well, and vice versa for me. Part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't get it. I can't get the 90. There's no, I, you can influence things, but you mm-hmm. can't, it's never going to be a 90 year old cool old home. It's going to be. Yeah. So I mean, you're probably both struggling with the opposite 
challenges where one of you wants character and the other one all you have That's is character. All I've got. And <laughs> all you have is character. Yes, this house has um, jazz hands. But and, and you know that's a challenge. Yeah. Um and I've been on both ends of that spectrum. It's hard to find that middle ground where your house feels new but it has character or your house, you know, feels new and has character. You're both trying to find that middle mm-hmm. ground. But yeah, helping my clients kind of take it step by step because otherwise it's just way too overwhelming. And if you don't start with your house story, if you don't start with your design style in mind and as the forefront of your design that's leading every decision you make, it's going to happen. It might not happen right away. It might be halfway through your project. It might be three quarters of the way through the project. It might be at the very end of your project where you look around and you're like, oh, I, I, it feels a little disjointed. And that's the worst mm-hmm. feeling because mm-hmm. you really want it to feel like a cohesive design. And so I feel like this book is we've been calling it the Bible, which is probably (laughs) from a designer sense, you know, this is the handbook that folks can use to literally figure out exactly Mm -hmm. how to make their design feel cohesive, whether it's a full new construction, whether it's a renovation, or even if it's just, Hey, I want to redesign my bedroom and I'm a renter and I want to reorganize the furniture and figure out new, you know, curtains and paint colors or whatever it might be even the bedding, there's kind of something for everybody. Yeah. It seems like it is every level. So it, um, I loved your little line of inside secrets to the perfect home reno. And I was like, I need every secret. Please tell me. <laughs> so, if you guys are in the same boat listening, you, you will also need to pick this up. So I want to talk about it step by step. Like, yeah. Okay. So step one, pick your style. How much do you take into consideration your existing house? Like, you know, okay, I live in a craftsman. How much do I take that into effect versus my own personal style versus my husband's style? Like, where, how does that, how does yeah. that pie break down? Who gets, who gets the biggest his. piece we of the pie? That. It's me. <laughs> so I think there's a few things to take into consideration here. So the way that we start, and it's, you know, all laid out in the book, but this is basically the beginning of every HGTV show, right? So for those of you like me who are HGTV fans, obviously I've gotten to see a little bit more behind the scenes at this point, but I was a huge HGTV fan before I ever had a show. What happens is the, the designer or the host comes in and chats with the family or the, whoever the homeowner is and says, okay, like, what's your style? And that literally is what you do, whether you're on TV or you're in real life. Um, you figure out what your core design is. So in my book, I've laid out, I kind of broke it down by core designs, which um, are contemporary, cottage, traditional, and rustic. And I would argue that every single house fits within one of those four styles. Now, it might be a subset, and there are a bunch of subsets listed in my book, but this is your core design. And to your question, Liz, this is usually what you already have. So Taryn, you're building a new house. You don't necessarily have anything to start with, but your design should be one of these four. It should fall into one of these four buckets. And then Liz, your house, I would argue, since it's already there and it's been there for 90 years, it already fits into one of these. So in my book, I say, in most cases, your core design will be your home's current architectural style. Um, This is a major part of your home that you probably won't change. And that's scary, right? Because most people are like, well, no, no. What do you mean? I I don't, I have a, you know, a craftsman home, but I really wish I had a 
uh, one of those like modern all glass homes out in the desert. And you're like, well, you don't have that. You have a craftsman yeah. style home, you know? And you don't so, live in a desert. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Then the next, literally the next sentence is don't worry, because what happens is you figure out your core design and that's what you either already have or what's going to be the main base of mm -hmm. your design. Um, and then you start to layer in all of the other uh, subsets of that design. And so the way that that works is you suddenly add on these style add-ons and what you have is this really personalized design style. So for example, if anybody has the book and they're listening on page 24 is a picture of my house that I built in the story that I told earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. It was the first house I ever built. It was the first house my husband and I ever lived in. Um, it took us, we lived there for seven years. It took us three years to build it. Ooh. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I literally just sold it last year. And I was like, oh, oh goodbye, my friend. It was a Cape Cod, but it was a California Cape Cod with industrial accents. Okay, so you can see how long <laughs> that design is. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I sat down to do my design style back in 2010, when we bought the land, my husband and I knew nothing about design, but we both had gone to school in Boston. We both, that's where mm -hmm. we met. We knew that we loved Cape Cod design styles. And so we were like, okay, we want to build a Cape Cod house, but we live in California at the beach. So, so that created this design style of California Cape Cod. But then we, we started pinning photos and pulling things out of magazines and all these different, a lot of the things we were drawn to had a very industrial vibe. We had, we had gone to school in Boston. We had lived in lofts. We'd lived in brownstones. And there were all these like things that felt a little bit more industrial than a traditional Cape Cod. So we added in to our design style, California Cape Cod with industrial accents. And that was our personal design style. And that was our house story. And so every decision that we made on our house, as we moved through the process of literally choosing every single thing that we did, all the way down to a throw pillow on the couch, was within the parameters of our house story. And if it didn't fit, it didn't go in the house. And what that did is at the very end, it gave us a very cohesive design, which was hard to accomplish, especially as, as newbies, right? We never designed yeah. a house before. I never designed a house before. And so this is, it worked for us. It worked for, it's worked for many clients. It works yeah. for my TV show. You know what I'm saying? Like I stand <laughs> by this process because I know it works. And it gives you, it gives you some parameters as you go through what can be a super overwhelming process as far as renovation or building or remodeling or even just decorating, right? Decorating is hard. Yeah. If you look around your room and there's so many decisions you make just to decorate one room, never mind mm -hmm. your whole house, just one room in your house. And if you start getting crazy and saying, all right, this room is going to be my, um, <laughs> my low country, like right. you, know, you, you just start making stuff up and then you go into the next room and you're like, okay, this room is going to be, and all of a sudden you feel like you're in a one of those houses at the fair where every room is totally <laughs> different and you're like, ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there has to be some cohesive element running throughout the entire home, outside and inside. And that is your house story. And that is your design style. And then you even go into having uh, a real life versus dream life worksheets um, so that people literally can be like, okay, be realistic. This is, this is what you have this is what you're dealing with. And then, yeah, like your dream, what, where are we going? If you're in this yeah. process, you obviously want to make it better. So there's gotta be, yeah. 
And I think, you know, bringing it back to the example that I gave of the house that we built and mm-hmm. my husband and my design style for that house, real life is where do you currently live? Well, we live in California, right? So California and the fact that we were a couple blocks from the California coast and that all the houses around us were beach cottages. And like, you have to take that into a, into account mm-hmm. because if you just start building something that doesn't feel like it fits in the neighborhood, again, you're going to have that feeling at the end where you're like, something's not right, you know? Mm-hmm. And so taking that into account, where do you currently live was a big one. But as far as our dream worksheet goes, we got through all the, all the real life stuff. The part, the industrial part of our design was something that caught us off guard, but it was probably the thing that was on our dream worksheet. Like, where do you mm-hmm. wish you lived? I think both of us, even though of course we're very happy to live in Southern mm-hmm. California, it's beautiful here, but we both wish that we lived in like some warehouse somewhere or something. There was something <laughs> going on where we're both like, wouldn't it be cool to like live in a place where everything's just like steel and metal and brick and like, and so that was where that industrial design came in. And it actually, you know, made our house feel more like it was our house because nobody else was putting those industrial mm-hmm. accents into a Cape Cod house at the time. So I think that's part of, um, you know, the dream worksheet and going through this, one of the questions is, do you want to entertain? And I think that's such an interesting one because you don't know how many times I've sat down with clients where the clients, they go through their whole real life worksheet and they have kids and they have all these things going on. They have their jobs and they have their dogs and they have all these things happening. And then we start going through the dream life worksheet and I'm like, okay, like what's the one thing that you'd like to do in your house that you've never done? And usually they say, we'd like to entertain. We'd like to have our family over for dinner. And then we get into talking about like why that's never happened. And that's usually a really eye-opening conversation. And it, it usually has to do with a decorating from a decorating standpoint. Like it's not usually major construction that needs to happen for you to entertain in your home. It's usually more like furniture and flow of your home and the floor plan mm-hmm. and figuring out where your dogs can go when you have people over so that we don't <laughs> jump on them and knock them over. You know, things like that where yeah. it's not... It's not like we have to knock down a wall or put a new roof on the house. That's not, you're not not having people over because you need a new roof. Like that's not the, that's not really the problem. The problem (laughs) is usually more so, it's more granular and it's a little bit more micro. And so sitting with someone and figuring out if they want to entertain and why they're not entertaining, that's always a really interesting question to ask ourselves. Maybe that was a, that was a better pre-COVID question. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Kind of true, except kind I feel true. like at the same time, it's good to know future. I mean, got to have a little place yeah. by the front steps for your testing kits so everybody can hang out <laughs> outside till, till they can come in. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding, not but kidding. No. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I've had a few clients that we have been trying to figure out like how to make sure coming in and out of the house, there's a hand washing station. Oh, Yeah. And not that that wasn't a thing before, but I don't think it was like, usually like, oh yeah, there's a bathroom. You'll come in, you'll go into the bathroom, you wash your hands. This is like a whole nother level. Like they literally want a sink so that you get out of your car or you get to the house and you Mm -hmm. wash your hands and then you go inside. And it's like, it's pretty interesting. So just some things that have changed in the last, you know, year and a half. Um, I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So yeah, figuring out your design style. I'm not saying that it's easy. I think it's actually one of the hardest things, especially for couples or people Mm -hmm. that are, you know, designing a home with another person, because the chances of two people having the same design style and the same preferences and Mm -hmm. 
those things aligning perfectly, it's very low. Like it's next to impossible to find two, two people that have the exact same design aesthetic. But I think that's the fun of it too, right? I mean, to make your house unique and to make it have personality, mm-hmm. it should reflect the uniqueness and the personalities of the people that live there. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I fully am in the deep, again, deep part of that where again, he's like, I'm, what do you think of this chandelier? And I'm like, garbage. And then I'm like, hold on, I should probably like reframe this and say, well, I don't know if it really goes with our style. Yeah. So you're totally yeah, right. It's, it is. Once you have your home style together, it probably could save some marriages and save some arguments, right? Yeah. So, no, you do the worksheets together, compare, yeah. and then you're like, all right, here, here's where we're at. Okay, so now, yeah. now that we've got our home stories down, what do we need to consider mm-hmm. for floor plans? If we have an existing thing going on, if we need, like, what is, what's your first step on, on developing the right floor plan for a family? You know, I think uh, it, go- it kind of goes back to that real life versus dream life worksheet because floor plans are all about how you live in your space, right? So there's two, there's two facets of design, right? One of them is what you see and it's the pretty stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other facet is the functionality and how things actually work. And, you know, obviously you're trying to accomplish both things at a high level <laughs> so that you walk in and it's beautiful, but it also functions really well for whoever's living there. One of the challenges that I run into is families usually think a lot about the pretty stuff. They, they think about how they want their house to look. They think about how, oh man, I wish that you know my house looked like this. And they show me a picture of a living room out of a magazine. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But let's, let's take a step back and let's talk about the functionality. And mm-hmm. so when it comes to a floor plan um, in my book, I, I did do some different layouts and some different scenarios as far as how you could change an actual floor plan. So if you're, if you're down to do a full renovation, take down walls, move plumbing, you know, cut into your slab or get under your house and move things around. I mean, this is, we're talking major construction. If you're into that and that's what you feel like you're at, I do have examples and help for that because it's a lot that's overwhelming on a whole different level. (laughs) And then there's also floor plans where it comes down to just simply moving your furniture around and figuring out which wall your TV is going to go on or how you're going to orient your furniture in a room to make it feel cozy or to function in a way that maybe that room has never needed to function before. With my clients right now, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of home offices. I'm seeing a lot of uh, you know work from home, like spaces where they need a spot for their children to do schooling. They need somewhere for them to be able to work quietly. And then I'm also seeing a lot of uh, home gyms. That's the other thing I'm seeing a lot of. Uh, because, you know, we're all at home a lot more than yeah. we've ever been. So trying to figure out multifunctional spaces has been a big theme over the last two years. The other thing that I'm seeing a lot of is just the way that we're consuming media uh, is changing a bit. So, you know, the giant TV on the wall, I'm actually seeing less and less of that, which is mm-hmm. interesting. And I'm seeing more folks that we're kind of getting back to how our furniture used to lay out before we had TVs, which is so interesting. Like people will sit and face a fireplace and not worry about what wall the TV is on, or they'll sit, we'll be able, it's, this is actually really great as a designer. We're able to set up our furniture for conversations again, instead of what? everything facing one wall, because that's where the TV is. 
suddenly mm-hmm. we're able to round out the seating again and have these really great conversation areas because people are, are watching, they're consuming media on their tablets or on their phones. And it's just a different way. Yes, they will sometimes stream to a TV, but it's just so interesting to see how that's changed, even in the amount of time that I've been in design. It's a really yeah. exciting change, I think. I mean, I think we're in the same boat where, again, you're like, I love a, the look of a cozy, again, not all everything facing the wall and not making that the center, the star of the room. Yeah. I was looking on your website and which I recommend everyone because it's like chopped full of, there's so <laughs> much stuff. But yeah, you were like showing the rolling screen over the TV again or whatever, Ooh. I guess it's for money. And I was like, I was like, tell me more. I went deep, and, you know, where you're like anything that you haven't seen, you're like, tell me more. Where do we do this? Um, yeah. So and I think, you know, not, I, we've seen this for years, right? Where you see this beautiful reveal on HGTV, the mm-hmm. last you know couple minutes where the family comes home and they get to see their house and it's beautiful and everything. I've gotten so many messages over the years where they're like, how does, but how, like, what, you know, how does the family actually live in that space? And it's like, well, some of it is for TV, right? At the end yeah. of the day, like they have a sectional couch and maybe I didn't put that sectional couch back in. I put in like a nice, cute, <laughs> smaller couch because we mm-hmm. have to walk through that space with, cameras and camera yeah. equipment yeah, and that we can't walk through with a sectional couch, you know? And so just explaining that to viewers. But the other thing is we make those spaces look really beautiful. At the end of the day, we don't necessarily hang the TV. We'll wire for the TV, but we don't necessarily yeah. hang it for that big, like, Oh, oh my gosh, this space looks yeah. beautiful. Because let's be honest, suddenly you have this big black, black. square mm-hmm. on, yeah. a, on the wall and you're like, Oh, but what I'm excited about as a designer is we're actually starting to be able to do that. And then that's just how it is. That's how the room is set up forever because we don't have to necessarily hang the right. TV on the wall. So it's uh, it's exciting. And this is coming from someone who has a TV show. So <laughs> <laughs> I want people to I watch want TV. You. Yeah, please watch me on TV. <laughs> a shameless plug for Discovery Plus. You can see all my shows there. It's like $4 a month. It's a great streaming platform. <laughs> uh, but no, so <laughs> if you, you have can watch my, it on a tablet too. So it's totally, totally fine. yeah. On yeah. your phone, on your tablet. Yep, exactly. <laughs> if you do have House Story, my book in front of you, page 7677, I lay out three different rooms. And these are all rooms that I've actually done for clients, for my family. It's so funny. The living room is actually my mother in law's um, living room. And when I was writing the book, I didn't tell her that I was doing this project, but I was like, hmm, what's a good living room? I could like change the furniture into my head and then sketch it out. And so I literally did her living room. The next week I was chatting with her and she's like, Hey, last week um, I moved my couch. And I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, I decided to move my couch. I was like, you've never moved your couch. Why? And she's like, I don't know. I just got this wild hair and I decided to like move my couch to the other side of the room. And it was literally the same day that I was working on this book and drawing out these different floor plans for her living room. I was like, what? Oh, that's wild. Like, that's freaky. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That's super weird. That's, but also I know. fantastic. We're so connected. how did it look? Uh, but this is her living room. <laughs> it looks great. We ended up keeping, so we did actually rearrange all her furniture based on this. And the, let's see, the first example one is what she ended up going with. And oh. it looks really cute. Yeah. That turned out really good. The, fireplace and the tv so you can see the example three the tv mm-hmm. is on a cabinet but it's also in front of windows so that's why that one didn't work it was in front of a window mm-hmm. which could work for some people but we just when it didn't really work for her so right 
Right. Yeah. But uh, that's the fun. I love moving furniture around. Like that's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> I, I think it's one of my favorites too, because it can change your room so much as well. And, and, and to your point, you can just, I feel like we used to do it on like a Friday night. We'd be like, what if, yeah, uh, we had a seasonal room where the light would come in differently in the winter and the summer and the oh. way it hit the TV, like <laughs> we would literally move the, the bigger sofas <laughs> facing, speaking of TVs, um, yeah. we would move the furniture in like the winter and summer. So it always changed the layout of the room for, for a season. Absolutely. I think, you know, that's part of it. And then also just like what I've been doing for a lot of clients is trying to figure out like how to, you can see this example three, like how to figure you, you might have one room in your house. That's not exactly spoken for and trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how to use that room to accomplish all the things that need to happen. Right. So a guest room, a home office, functional, clever solutions are how to figure out how to get a bed in there when you have guests, but also you need to work in there every day and you don't want to be, looking at a bed necessarily. And then you also need storage and then you also need to fit your Peloton in there. And then all of a sudden you've got this whole list of things that this one room needs to do, but it is possible. You know, it just takes, it just takes a little bit of ingenuity to try to figure out exactly how to fit everything into one space. Wiggle room. I like it. Okay. Talk us through wall treatments and floor finishes. Cause you were, you have stated it is the foundation to the house. So obviously it's important and why? Yes. Yes. Okay. So flooring is one of those things where I think most people, (laughs) you're not going to like rave and rant and rave about flooring. You know what I mean? It's one of those things that you have to have, you want it to be beautiful. You want it to be timeless and you want it to be durable, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily the thing that's going to like set your house apart. Usually. I don't know if you've ever gone to a friend's house and then come back and been like, you know what? I don't remember anything about that house. All I remember is the flooring, right? (laughs) I mean, hopefully that, that'd be wonderful if it happened. It's probably some really gorgeous flooring, but flooring is the base of our design. I usually recommend keeping it neutral. I recommend thinking about the functionality. Once again, do you have dogs? Do you have kids? Do you have some, do you live near somewhere where there's a lot of moisture? Is there snow being tracked into your house? Is there sand being tracked into your house? Um, Do you live on a farm? You know, there's all these different things to take into account when it comes to flooring and you really want it to be something that you don't have to replace because the, everything literally sits on the floor. Yeah. Flooring. I put a lot of examples in the book and these are mm-hmm. literally examples that I've installed time and time again. And so that was the other thing I really wanted to do is take everything in my brain, take everything I'd done for my clients and just share it because yeah. why not? Flooring is a tough decision, but once you make that decision, it's a really great base for the rest of your design decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that you did. You had little notes of like, this is my favorite trim color. Like, don't overthink it. Like, just paint this all white, paint all of the the baseboards and the trim, all this one white color, and don't think about it. Next next page. Um, next and page. I, I feel like, again, when you're making a zillion decisions, that's what's so nice about this is like, you've broken it down where you're like, you're, if you don't want to make that decision, cool. That one's made for you. You've made it for us. Yeah. Or, you know, however. And I think it's just giving someone permission to be like, confident enough to make that decision because it seems Mm. like you might be selling yourself short if you're like okay i'm just gonna do this same baseboard throughout my whole house i'm gonna paint it white and i'm done you're like wait is it really that easy like should that should that decision be that simple and is that 
is there some other option I don't even know about that I'm like missing out on? And like, that's the challenge that I went through when I didn't know. And I did explore all the options and it took (laughs) months to make the baseboard decision, you know? And so what I realized after doing hundreds of houses since then is that, no, it really is that easy. And it really can be that intentional, even though it feels Mm -hmm. like you just made a very simple decision and just kind of giving readers and viewers and my clients the the confidence to say, nope, I'm going to do a six inch square baseboard and I'm going to paint it white. And that's what I'm doing throughout the whole house. And that's it. It's that simple. Um, knowing that that's going to look really nice. <laughs> so this this section was very true, like very on my mind because we just were we're in the middle of quoting all of our trims and stuff for the house, and it's so funny that I get you know the builders like yeah pick whatever you want, and you're like what do you mean whatever I want? Like There's that is so many options. Yeah. yeah, I can pick anything, and you're like no no I don't you don't understand I. <laughs> So So you just give me like three things to choose from and I'll pick A, B, or C, right? And to your point, it's like, okay, so I'm in the traditional category. Like, give me your three traditionals that are about the same height. And and then I can, I can pick within those three, but you being like, yeah, just, you know, and you're like, no, no, that's too big of a lane. So I'm, that part really spoke to me right now. Cause I was like, (laughs) I don't know how to pick and even not the height of. Because I was Googling that to be like, what size baseboard do I do? Because I'm doing taller ceilings than I've ever lived in. So, and you don't, again, go into someone's house unless it's really decorative and think, wow. Like, you're like, okay, there are, you know, there the house is trimmed out. But unless it's like really decorative, you're not, or missing, do you notice, right? So. Correct. Anyway, I'm with you. So I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the authority of just telling me it's okay. Just do this. Yeah. It's okay. And, you know, as far as wall treatments go, I think it's a similar battle, right? People feel like they have to do crazy wall colors and they have to add all this wallpaper and texture and all these different things. And it's like, yes, sometimes it is nice to do an accent wall or sometimes it is nice Mm -hmm. to do a fun texture. But at the same time, you don't have to overdo it, right? You can very simply just say, I'm going to paint all my walls you know, faded gray, Don Edwards faded gray, which is my favorite color. It's on all my walls in every house I've ever done pretty much. And that's listed in the book. But you know, it's okay to just pick a wall color and paint your walls. That's, that's also a really good decision. And so again, this is all about giving folks the confidence to make a decision, move forward, keep your project (laughs) on track, and not feel like they're missing out on something, right? I didn't put it in here because it was an easy decision. I put it in here. It's because I've I've done all of the legwork and the, these are literally the best decisions to make. <laughs> this is the easiest way, <laughs> but also it's going to look great. Well, I, also, I also think it's a great idea to just do the whole house in one color and live with it for a little bit and see if the house starts to speak with to you about like, you know what, maybe I do need a different color or something down the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paint, paint colors are hard. Paint colors are hard. Oh, paint colors. I mean, they're really hard. Um, if there's one thing I could recommend, I don't think I put this in my book because I think I discovered it after I published, um, but I've been using it a lot in my own house, in my own projects. You can go online and you can order these big, they're almost like giant stickers. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. used these, but they're, they're wonderful. And you can order them in any paint color. They show up. You don't have to get the little sample tester paint Mm -mm. cans that you don't know what to do with. You don't have to get the brushes. You literally just stick it on the wall. You can look at it in different light. They have been a game changer for me in in design and trying to figure out what paint colors to use. So I'd highly recommend them. 
That's awesome. I, I've actually purchased quite a few of them myself. Cause again, it's just, it's They're great. It's just no steps on you. And again, I totally, you know, I've painted the big boards to do bigger and stuff, but yeah, if you're like in between, like just order, order easy, come slap them up and then you can totally. Yes. Um, and you talk even paint sheens in here, you recommend colors and then even like flooring, you gave like a whole pros con list to every material mm-hmm. again, like don't, over, you know, and then how do you live? I loved that part too. Again, remember, how do you live? Who's, in, who's walking through your house? Are you wearing right. shoes? You're not wearing shoes. Do you have pets? Cause again, I think we're all, we, we, we start with look, like you said, and then we have to backtrack and be like, hold up. Who's are we using this? <laughs> yeah. Usually we can find something that is durable enough or functions the way that we need it to, but that also looks great right? It's just a matter of figuring out like, okay, I really want these like beautiful oak or pine floors. Say you want pine floors. Well, pine's really soft. And if you have big dogs or you wear heels in your house or like there's all kinds of things that if you got flooring that was the actual natural pine material, you're going to be upset real quick. Um, But maybe, so maybe for you, if the look you want is this beautiful like pine flooring, maybe the right answer is to get a luxury vinyl plank that looks exactly like pine, but is waterproof, um, has a little bit of give to it, but is never going to scratch or etch. I mean, that might be the answer for you to get that same look, but have the durability you need. So yeah, it's all about being realistic about how you're going to use your house. Mm -hmm. Okay. Grout color. That seems also very (laughs) daunting. And you have a whole section for that too. Yeah. Grout color is so... Uh, it's one of those things where like, you think you've done everything. You think you've made all the decisions. You think you've, you know, you pick the tile yeah. you pick the fixtures, like you're done. You are in the clear, your bathroom looks great. And then you get that call and it's like, okay, what's the grout color? And you're like, oh, one more thing I have to decide. There are a few different ways that you can go about picking grout, right? You can either, and just for people that might not know, grout is what goes between tiles. So like if you have a a decorative tile and you're trying to figure out what's in between those tiles, um, that's called the grout. And there's a lot of different textures and there's a lot of different colors. And so there's two different ways you can go though, right? You can have the grout where it just disappears and you never think about it or see it really. And it's just there, or you can have it where it's a contrasting color and you see it every single time you look at the tile and it changes the whole look of the room. So the way that I recommend choosing a grout color is to blur your eyes I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's how I personally do it. So if you're looking for a grout color that matches, that's just going to disappear, you hold up these little grout sticks, right? I never choose grout color off of a chart. You have to have the little sample sticks. And you, okay. you hold them up to the tile and you blur your eyes. And just squint at it. That go. is tried and true. I swear by this technique. <laughs> um, you have to just squint at it. And if it disappears, then you're good to go. If it doesn't disappear, don't lie to yourself. If it looks yellow or it looks pink or it looks peach or it looks, if it, if it doesn't disappear, mm-hmm. you'll know. And that is not the one you want to use. And if there's nothing in that grout chart, there are other companies. You can get another grout chart and you have to, sometimes you have to go through like three different companies worth of grout charts and it's ridiculous. But if you do get the right grout color, it's a very, <laughs> it feels good. <laughs> I'm sure you're probably like, yeah, once you get the perfect combo, you're like, okay, we're using that tile every time and this grout together. Like just You think so, but I no. 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 There are I, so many fun choices. I could so see many why fun you choices. Yeah, yeah. 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 
Well, I love all of your tips on kitchen renovations. That's a really big section of the book. And so to walk us through what we should be thinking about if we're going to gut our kitchen and go into redoing the whole thing. Yeah. The, where I would start is I actually have the checklist that I personally use. So um, I'm in the process of doing this exact thing right now, actually, um, from and for one of my clients. And so I start with a checklist and that's exactly what I do. I go through the kitchen and I say, okay, I need a sink. <laughs> I need a faucet. I need, and, and it's pretty, it's pretty intuitive, right? I mean, you don't have to be a seasoned designer or a contractor to know that you need a sink and a faucet. Uh, but if you've never done it before, it's probably a little overwhelming because who, you know, there's all these things that you might not think of. So I put everything into a checklist so that folks could literally just go through the checklist. And I use this checklist on every single project. Okay. And I need to make an aside. So I am a total reference book geek, love a good checklist, love a good appendix. And same this book, I know we're talking a lot about the book, but this book, you should just go out and get it just for the appendixes because, or appendices, uh, <laughs> because they seriously, you are seriously giving everyone a checklist for every single room and every single project. And it's, it's really, it's really just, it makes the whole thing a lot less daunting. So I really, I really appreciate that. It does. It's really helpful. Even as a, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm glad that you appreciate it because this is, you know, these are proprietary. These are checklists that I've developed um, for my company, for my clients, for my show. We use them regularly, but I was like, you know what? Like if I'm going to write a book. I got to give it all away. Like I got to, I got to really leave my heart on the field. And so um, these checklists are they are my bread and butter. I use them every single project. So for example, if you do have the book on page 268, it's the everything kitchen checklist. And it literally goes through every single thing. And while you might think you know, or can remember every single thing that needs to be in a, in a kitchen, I'm here to tell you, I've been doing this for a long time at this point, And I even forget like, oh, wait, where's the trash? Right. Because the minute that you get into a kitchen and you've never, you know, the kit, the trash can gets thrown out, you never think about the trash again because it's in, it's under construction and it's not front of mind. And then all of a sudden you're done with the kitchen and you're like, oh man, I could have built in the trash and I have this ugly trash can again. Like, dang it. So that that's like, that's something that I've personally messed up on a few kitchens and I'm like, oh, like that's not what I meant to do. Mm. And just things like that where you're like, oh wow, I should have, I should have run water to the refrigerator when my plumber was here and I could have hooked up this wonderful filtered water and ice maker. And now I don't have any water and it would have been so easy to do then. But now I have to rip apart my kitchen again and put this, this water yeah. line in like things that are easy. If you think about it from the beginning, but if you miss it and you have to go back and do it, it's really not easy. Yeah. That's what seems to be the biggest. <laughs> so this is, that's exactly where I am right now. Like drywalls going up and I'm having like a panic attack. Cause yes. I'm like, what did I forget? So yes. well, go this through this like, checklist. No, this one's saying like, I, like I, this is the perfect timing in a way. Like, cause I, I really am like, I read through this and was like, oh my God. Like there were definitely two things that I was like, I have to tell. Like I need, I like texted the builder last night. I was like, uh, <laughs> FYI, um, just a reminder, we're doing this. Um, anyway, right. so yeah, no, it's totally true how something so simple on the front end and again, Liz, you're totally different, but in my, where I'm at, where you're like, if I had just 
if I do it now, we're yeah, done right. with it. But if I have to do it in the future, you should see the amount but, of wiring I have for sconces. Oh my gosh. You would laugh at me. I keep being like, I might want one there later. So there's like so much wire just zigzagging my walls. Everywhere. Like between every frame, I swear there's just like ziggy zaggy wire. And I'm like, I might use that. So do it there too. Yep. Um, I think the technical term is to whip it, right? Like, yeah, yes. it's called a whip. Good job. It's a it is? Your homework, Liz. It's oh, called it's a whip. Yeah. So you can say to your contractor, I'd like to run a whip. And you just, they, it's, it's like where you leave a wire that you can later mm-hmm. pull out and use for a sconce. Oh, so it's not called zigzaggy through the wall? <laughs> well, you know, I know what you meant. <laughs> okay, good to know. Good to know. I didn't, I didn't get that one. So <laughs> one of the things I love that you do in a lot of kitchens is what you call the self-splash, where you take mm-hmm. the countertop and you run it up the whole wall or a big portion of the wall. I think that so it's so clean and fresh for for our kitchen reno. Yeah, it t- it does also the nice thing about it is it takes a couple of decisions off your plate, right? You don't have to choose a backsplash tile that might compete with a cabinet color or a countertop color or a flooring material and you don't have to choose a grout for that. It's very uh, easy to keep clean, which is wonderful. So I, I love a good self-splash. Back to my first house that I ever built, after looking at, I can't even um, tell you guys how many backsplash tiles my husband and I went through where we're like, oh, I really like that one. Oh my gosh, what about this? And I was, at the end of the day, we're like, nope, we're just running the, it, we're doing the self-splash. We're running the countertops up and we never yeah. regretted it. It's just, it's timeless. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're like us, we cook a lot. You don't have to worry. It's so easy to clean. You literally just wipe it down just like you would the countertops. Well, I love that it's helping with decision mm-hmm. fatigue too, because I mean, it's real. Mm-hmm. The way that I recommend choosing countertops and tile is I recommend going online. Um, I used to do it with hard, ma- like real magazines, which I still do a lot of my design that way. But I know a lot of people don't, you know, buy magazines anymore. But if you're a magazine person, use your magazines, pull your, pull your um, photos out of your magazines. Or if you're an online person, Pinterest, House. Even Instagram, you can make folders now and start just saving. Don't overthink it. If you like a kitchen, save it. If you like something about that kitchen, save it. And then when it comes time to actually design your kitchen and make these big decisions, you go back through all those photos. And if you can print them out, again, I'm a printer outer, um, or you put them into like um, mood boards, right? I like to Mm -hmm. use um, Google presentations. I think it's really easy to just pop photos in there and move them around. You start, you start grouping like photos. Like you think about a photo. Why do I like this photo? And if you don't know, that's fine. Just put it on the board. But sometimes it's like, oh, I only like the lights. So you kind of crop in on the lights. Yeah. I only like the backsplash. And you kind of do that. And what you'll start to see are patterns. Like, oh, wow. Like literally every single kitchen I like has a white subway tile backsplash. I guess I like white subway tile on my backsplash. Or like every kitchen I pinned has gray quartz countertops. I guess I like gray quartz countertops or every kitchen has white cabinetry. I guess I like white cabinetry in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And you'll start to see these patterns emerge. And it's really helpful when you're trying to figure out what it is about these images that have, are drawing you in. Um, and so what I recommend is I have my clients do this, but I have them do it individually, right? So if there's two folks that are involved in the renovation, each party does their own, they go find their Ooh. own patterns. And then we start to see if there's any crossover. 
And that's where we start to make that design style that works for both parties. Because usually there are things that, so like maybe um, maybe both people like gray quartz countertops, but the one person really wants a really busy, bold mosaic tile backsplash. And the other person keeps pinning a shiplap backsplash. Mm -hmm. so we gotta we gotta meet somewhere in the middle, you know? Um, so maybe we do maybe we do a shiplap, but we run it a different direction, or we do a herringbone shiplap, or we do tile that looks like shiplap. Or like there's a lot of ways to kind of meet in the middle, but if you mm -hmm. don't know what your preferences are, it's very hard to start to compromise. So good. So good. All right. <laughs> Section on I know, I know. Everybody, but Again, living it, I feel I feel this. Um, bathrooms. I loved your section on this just because you talk about how this kind of equals self-care in a way. This is a place that we like take a moment and think about ourselves and our own hygiene or what mm -hmm. we're missing um, in hygiene. <laughs> lack of hygiene, yeah. Yeah, one of those. Just quickly, like, do you have any tips or tricks on bathrooms that you find every single time? Because I know you have a section literally that does sinks, vanities, then fixtures, bathtubs, flooring, and lighting. But... Things you've found recently, too, that you continue yeah. to do. Bathrooms are one of those spaces where I really err on the side of neutral consistently. Because what happens is, is like it or not, you're spending a lot of time in this room. It's usually a smaller, one of the smaller rooms in your house. And it's so easy to change the mood with accessories. I don't really think it's necessary to amp up the materials that are actually used in the construction of the bathroom. I'd rather those be neutral so that when you do feel like you wanted something a little bit different or you have a different, you know, you're in a different mood or a different headspace, or as mentioned earlier, it's a different season. It's really easy to change out a cute hand towel, a cute little piece of art. You know, you put a new vase with some little dried flowers or you change out the shower curtain, a new, a new little bath mat. Those are the ways that I like to add personality into a bathroom. From a resale perspective, that's a really smart way to approach a bathroom. And so I try to encourage my clients to not, not go crazy on the actual finishes as far as the construction goes. Keep it neutral, keep it, keep it nice and you know, use quality materials, but a little bit more timeless as far as the bathroom goes so that when it does come time to sell the house or it does come time to change change it out a little bit for, you know, you or whoever's using that bathroom. It's not a big deal. It's easy to change out a hand towel. It's tougher to take personality out of a bathroom, I would think, if you loaded it up with personality. Yeah, well, I think, you know, from a from a from like a tile and countertops and cabinets and everything perspective, I think less is more. I think mm -hmm. you can really go neutral, timeless, beautiful, simple. And then if you want to, you know, make it feel like a teenage bathroom or you want to make it feel like a little boy bathroom or whatever it is that you're trying to make this bathroom feel like, mm -hmm. it's easy to do that with accessories in a bathroom. Yeah, no, that's a really, those are good points because it, it, but it is so hard again because you see so many cool things and like bright so things. So many, and yeah. And you're like, oh, but I want that tile and that's going to be the whole bathroom. So to your point, it is hard to. And I'm doing so many bathroom designs right now too, that there's, there, there's fatigue in the amount of bathrooms I have to decide on. So it has become very much like, all right, the, the two boys rooms are both the same tile. Like we're just, 
Mm-hmm. We're not even, I am already having that fatigue of like, that's just white penny tile. No, we're not even, and this is going to be white subway and we're, we're done. We're not going to overthink these bathrooms because yep. again, there's certain ones where I am trying to like beef up the creativity, I guess, or, you know, make it more yeah. impactful. So yeah, I'm definitely on the fatigue. If I feel like the last bathrooms are going to look mishmashy because I'm like, whatever, throw it in there. <laughs> do we have leftover <laughs> tile? What I like to do is I like to choose three or four, usually it's three tile selections per house and use them in different ways in all the different bathrooms. So I'll choose like a Calicutta marble or a Carrera marble, and that'll be like my base for every single bathroom. And while I might use different cuts of that tile, it's all the same tile. So in the main bathroom, maybe I use, uh, you know, the Calicutta marble as a hexagon for the floor. And it's this really pretty statement floor. And then I would just use large squares, of the same material on the walls. And then you go mm-hmm. into a guest bathroom and it's that same material, but maybe I introduce one new, like beautiful gray field tile for the shower walls. Um, and then maybe the back of the shower niche is the white penny tile you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that white penny tile is the floor for the kids' bathroom. And mm-hmm. I go back to that Calicutta subway cut tile for the walls of the bathroom uh, shower or something. So like it's, so you don't need, what I'm getting at is just because you have a big house and maybe a bunch of bathrooms to design, or maybe you have one bathroom to design, you don't need all these different materials. You can literally just choose, usually it's three. I usually don't use more than three different tile materials in a whole entire house. Um, you can You can just kind of use those in different ways. And that way, no matter what bathroom you go into, it feels like it's all part of the same house. Yeah, it helps with the cohesion and making more decisions. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you have quite a few more sections in the book, and I fully, again, recommend people going through and, you know, you address fireplaces yeah. and bookcases and kids' spaces and organization. And then the last one I wanted to, like, kind of speak to was your um, just adding personality to a space and your, like, DIY section where you give people, like, just a little bit of that, and then we'll let you. No, go back to your so, busy <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't have written a book without including a few like fun personality forward DIY projects because I feel like these are the things that really set a house that take it from somebody's, you know, this is my house to their home. And, you know, if our goal is to tell our house story, we really have to add our own personality into our homes to make that happen. So, what I always encourage my clients to do, some, some of my clients love DIY. Some of my clients hate DIY and they would never go near a DIY project. So um, what I encourage <laughs> my clients to do is to think about you know, what it is that they're interested in doing as far as adding personality to their home and what, what are the things that make them happy, right? Whether it's, and when I say things, right? I don't mean where are they going to go shopping and go buy some really expensive vase that makes them happy. Although I guess if that was the one thing that would make them happy, (laughs) go for it. But more so what I mean are what are, what, what in this world makes them happy? And it might be a scent. It might be an experience. It might be a person. I mean, there's a lot of different things that can make us happy and what I try to do is harness whatever that energy is from that thing that my client tells me about um, into their home. So maybe what makes them happy is that 
they go on a beach vacation with their family once a year. And it's a big family reunion and everybody's there. It's all the people they love. And literally that's like their happiest week of their year consistently. And it's just, that's what it's all about for them. I'm like, okay, great. So, you know, let's try to get a little bit of that energy into your home. So when you come home, the first thing you see is this really fun framed photo of, you know, your whole family. And it doesn't have to be a professional photo. It could be a candid, silly photo that's framed. And so the minute you enter your house, that's the first thing you see, whether you stand there and look at it or you just subconsciously see it and know that they're there. It's just putting you in that state of mind of having that like happy memory. And whether whether we realize it or not, the things that are in our home affect us. They affect us every single day. Whether we're in a bad mood and there's something that can just kind of pull us out of that without us even noticing. Maybe it's a maybe it's a fern. Maybe it's a plant that your grandmother always had in her house. Maybe it's some ticket stubs from the best concert you ever went to that are framed on your nightstand. Or I mean, there's just so many ways that we can kind of bring these subtle little hints of personality into our home. But you have to be intentional about it. Right. You can't, these, these are not things that, these aren't things that just happen. These aren't things that your builder is going to do for you. These aren't right. things that are just going to pop up in your home. They're things that you actually have to stop and be like, okay, what is it that makes me happy? When am I my happiest? And we have to figure out how to bring those things into our home on a daily basis. And she signed off. No. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> No, I ended there because that was beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, I, I think, you know, this is, is one of those things where a lot of us at the end of a renovation project or a build project or even just a, a decorating project, we're so over it, right? We're done. I can't yeah. even tell you how many times I've walked into my friend's homes and they're like, Jazz, I just redid my living room. I want you to come see it. I'm like, great. And I walk in and I look around and I'm like, there's nothing on the walls. You are not done. I'm so sorry to tell you this. Or somebody's like, oh my God, I just redid my kitchen. I just read it. Come check it out. And I walk in and I'm like, this is beautiful, but it's not done. I'm like, why not? And I'm like, because there's not a single family photo in here. This could be anybody's kitchen. How do I know whose kitchen it is? There's nothing personal. (laughs) And my poor friends, right? (laughs) I wonder why people don't invite me over to see their project. No, I'm just kidding. You know, those are the things where like literally how much time does it take to order a picture frame online, to take the back of it out, to print a photo off your phone, send it to the Walgreens, whatever, pick it up, have it delivered to your door. You put them together, you stick it on the shelf and suddenly you have something that every time you see it, you're going to smile. Maybe it's just yeah. a selfie of your dog's nose. You know what I mean? Maybe it's yeah. Maybe it's a, a really big, beautiful, professional f- photo. Whatever it is, taking that final step and adding that personality into your home is truly the thing that's going to make all the difference. That's awesome. So good. So good. And like Liz said too, just to finish this off, your appendix in the back, the append- appendicitis. Appendicitis <laughs> <laughs> in the back is super helpful. <laughs> Super helpful, you guys. <laughs> Super helpful. <laughs> the other thing I will, I will mention, the design boards in the back are real houses that I have designed and built. And so they're real spaces. Awesome. They're photographed in the book. And then every single object that's on the design board is listed in an appendix in the back. So if you see something there like that you like, you can go in the back and it'll say exactly where it's from. So if there's like a cute shower curtain, it says it's mm-hmm. from World Market. You know, like it's very easy yeah. to find different products and they're all listed they're all listed in the back so i think that's helpful too because i mean i don't know i'm a i'm a huge consumer of 
yeah. blogs and magazines and books, but there's nothing worse than seeing something and wanting to do some, you know, wanting to use a similar product and having no clue where it's from. Yeah. So I tried to give as many sources as I possibly could. And, and, and you know, short of being able to like link things because it's a book. Um, <laughs> I know, but you do that on your blog too, just, which is really helpful. I do. Which is super helpful. Thank you. Yeah. I try to link as much as I possibly can. Cause I'm like, if I've already done the legwork and figured out that like, Oh, these six things go together beautifully and they'll make your bathroom yeah. awesome. I would much rather share that if I already did the work, like, here you go, you do it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send you pictures. Well, no. And that's what I love about your stuff. Yeah. It's just so great because it's so tangible and allows, it really gives the power to people trying to do it themselves, which. Thank you. Yeah. That's appreciate. the plan. That's what I try to do. <laughs> well, where can everyone find you, follow you, watch you, all the things? How much time do you have? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, the book we've been talking about is House Story. It's available right now wherever books are sold. Um, probably the easiest place to buy it is Amazon or Target or Barnes & Noble. But I do recommend supporting your local bookseller. And then my Instagram is Jasmine Roth official. I also have a built custom homes Instagram, which is just beautiful house photos. So that's always a fun one to follow. And then you can also find me on HGTV. And I don't know when the next season or if the next season of my show will happen, but hopefully it will. But in the meantime, the name of the show is Help I Wrecked My House. And you can stream it on Discovery Plus. So yeah, there's lots of ways to find me. Should I keep going? Because I will be here all day. <laughs> it, it does seem like it. Like reading your bio, I was like, so... No. She doesn't no, no. sleep. She doesn't yeah, sleep. Yeah, and next time we're going to have to talk about how you renovated the Brady house from the Brady Bunch. We yes. need to, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. That's yeah. a whole nother yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. So much fun though. And uh, just so you know, I don't sleep because I have a toddler. You know, I have a 20 month old. Oh. So the sleep is actually very minimal, but <laughs> I'm here and I'm doing it. <laughs> and that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.